just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Wednesday. A lot of stuff popping in the news as of late. But the best part of Wednesday is that tomorrow is the next January 6th Select Committee hearing. We've been waiting for this a long time. Since the last hearing, we've had a lot of things happening, investigations and all this sort of thing. So we've kind of forgotten about the hearings. But if you remember back when the hearings were going, they were kind of top shelf. This was the shit we were worried about. This was the shit that was really important to us. And then it stopped for a month and a half, two months. And we started getting caught up in all this other stuff that's equally as important. So now the hearings are starting up again, and I'll tell you this, at least starting tomorrow for a period of time, that hearing will be the top story that people are talking about, even though we've got all this stuff with the documents, the insurrection, and all this stuff. This hearing about the insurrection is going to be the thing they talk about at the water coolers. Does anybody really do that anymore? Is there even fucking water coolers? And if you work from home, what do you do then? You all stand around your respective sinks? I, I, I don't know. But you know what I mean. The hearings were the thing to talk about. And I have a feeling tomorrow when we watch this hearing, there are going to be a lot of bombshells. Now, some people will say this is going to be the last hearing. I personally don't think so. Everybody else I talk to thinks it will be. And part of the reason they're saying that is because, well, we've got the midterms coming up in about three weeks. There's not enough time. But I beg to differ. You remember back when they were doing the hearings. And sometimes these hearings create new information and new people willing to talk. You know, they they had situations where something came out in the hearing and then all of a sudden people came out of the woodwork and said, "Uh, I'll I'll talk to you now because they see it's getting close to them. And I think that's distinctly possible. And to be perfectly honest with you, if they can pull out another hearing before the midterms, they're going to do it. Now, the other thing you have to remember, beyond the hearings, they're going to do what they call their summation. They're going to talk about all the hearings, make a presentation, and deliver it to the general public, trying to pull everything together, exposing all the evidence, all the people involved, And are they going to be able to get that done before the midterms? I don't think so. Is it important that they get it done before the midterms? I don't think so. Now, we know the midterms are pretty pivotal in this country. It may be the difference of holding on to our democracy or not. Now, as I've told you in the past, I feel very strongly that the Democrats will hold on to the House and will at least expand the majority in the Senate, and they'll be good. But what happens in the midterms will have some impact on how this January 6th Select Committee continues. We know that the DOJ already has a grand jury in the works. We don't know exactly what they're looking into and talking about because grand jury information 
is secret. But we know they're getting some information from the J6 committee, and we'll get some more. Now, if the Democrats take control of the House and the Senate or maintain control of the House and Senate afterwards, the whole situation changes. Right now, everybody's focused on the midterms. If the Democrats are going to hold power, then what's the fucking rush other than getting Donald Trump indicted? They're going to want to pull this off and... uh, make it bigger and better in preparation for 2024. See, that's what's going to happen. As soon as the midterms were over, now we're all looking to 2024. And now they're all fighting and and uh, talking about 2024. They've forgotten about 2022, regardless of how it ends up. Now, let's talk about this. If the Republicans do what they say they're going to do and take control of the House maybe even the Senate. Then what happens? Does the January 6th committee quit then? Hell no. Because even if the Republicans win, they aren't going to take office till the first week of January. So you've got um, most of November, all of December, to start putting out this evidence. Now we know if the Republicans take over the House, they're going to shut down the House Select Committee. So you're going to want to get out all the information. If the Republicans win in the House, they're going to shove it down their throats for the next two months before the Republicans take control. You might as well make hay while the sun shines. If the Democrats win, then they can lay this out and explain what happened. This will have an effect on indictments now, And it will have an impact on 2024. You have to understand, this is how politicians think. They don't think about helping us. And I'm talking about Democrats and Republicans. They're worried about how it's going to affect them getting votes. And once the midterms are over, they can't do anything to go back. So now they focus on 2024. Republicans lose. A lot of shit happens with them. They're going to abandon Donald Trump. He's no longer of any value to them anymore. All he meant to them was votes and money. And once his endorsees have failed, then he's of no value. Then the Republicans are up a crick. They don't really know what to do. They're going to have to change everything, and they're going to have to do it in two years, which they can't do. So they're bound to, almost certainly going to lose the presidential election in 2024. What I'm saying is, no matter how you look at it, the Republicans are fucked. I don't think there's any way they win back the House or the Senate. I just don't. But if they do, you can bet the Democrats are going to, like I say, make hay while the sun shine and use those next two months to just put out a barrage of information so they come in as weak as possible. But again, I'm just saying it's not going to happen. The Democrats will maintain the House and the Senate. So that's the good news. But we're getting closer to those midterms and people are freaking out. I'm seeing ads all over the fucking place. And you know what these ads are talking about mostly? About how these people were for overturning Roe v. Wade and how many of these people, I'm seeing it in the governor's race right here in this, in my town, uh, how these people 
want to overturn Roe v. Wade, abolish abortion under any circumstances, rape, incest, the health of the, the woman, they don't care. And the Democrats know that's the big point that's costing them cost or getting them votes because there are many Republicans that support Roe v. Wade. So you're going to see this on the TVs locally and nationally over and over again. I sat in a restaurant on Monday, and they had a TV on. And I saw this ad about uh, the Republican governor here and how he is against abortion and how he uh, is against abortion under any circumstance. It doesn't matter what happens. I sat there for probably an hour, <laughs> and I swear to God, I saw that commercial probably Ten times in an hour. So they're pouring money into certain states and certain areas to get that point across because they know that's the winner. If they support abortion, especially in terms of any circumstance, those fuckers are in trouble. They can't win. 70% of this country supports Roe v. Wade. That is not a winner. That is a big winner for the Democrats, and you can bet they're going to shove it down everybody's throat. All right, I have a couple of emails we need to get to before we get to the business at hand. First one comes from Paul. He says, uh, Mike, just want to say thanks for your insightful work. I've retired from TikTok, too addictive, but I'm grateful for your podcasts. I'm a 64-year-old Canadian with a lifelong interest in American society and politics. Although I have no direct skin in the game when it comes to your country, we Canadians have always been influenced by Big Brother Below. Recent political events have made me stand back in awe. It has been startling to see your country's de-evolution following a path that was trod by Hitler Mussolini, the America First, Charles Lindbergh, and the Christian Front movements in the 30s and the 1940s. What is occurring in the USA and to some measure other world states, including Canada, reinforces the notion that history repeats itself. Same theories and methodologies, same cast of deplorable characters, similar social economic environment, racism, scapegoating, uh, telling the same BS over and over again until it's accepted as fact. Joseph Gables, Stephen Miller, both proud of their twisted propaganda. Man, I'm stopping as the geezer tirade is rising here. In short, thanks again for your efforts to educate others in a clear and colorful manner. And when he says colorful, I have to think he means you fucking swear a lot. <laughs> but thank you, Paul. I appreciate that. It's always good to hear from our neighbors to the north, the Canadians. I love Canadian people. We have Tyler that comes on the show from time to time. Young man from Canada. Very insightful, very smart man. But you're right. What's going on down here will ultimately affect you in Canada. So it's important you keep an eye on what's happening here so you know what to expect. And what is frightening about what's going on in the United States right now, it does seem to be an attempt to shift this country to a, an authoritarian regime. I, I don't know what it is with some people who support this. I mean, is it all about ego where they think, I got to have it my way, I'm racist, this is what I want, so they jump on board with anybody, or are they truly 
in, a, in an authoritarian mindset. I can't believe that. Living, in, living under authoritarian rule is not a pleasant experience. And all these people that support it, don't have a lot of money, live in the South. You are the people that are going to get stepped on. So for the life of me, I do not understand how you support this. As I've said before, it can only be that you're stupid because you can't be on board with something that's going to work against you. Fortunately, there's not enough of you to win elections or to make this happen. We've been through this before, as Paul points out, and it's never worked. And it's not going to work this time. It's just not going to work. All right, we have another email. Thank you, Paul, for the... uh, or the message. This one comes from Aaron in St. Louis. Mike, I will start with the good. Oh, that's ominous. Mike, I will start with the good, suggesting he's going to have some bad. (laughs) That's all right. He says, I love the show and what you're doing so much that I choose to start my day with your show every morning during my commute. I rarely disagree with anything you discuss during the show. Well, you've got one up on my wife. She frequently <laughs> disagrees with me. Not on politics. We're in line on politics. She uh, believes it's just what I do with that information. She would like me to be a little less in people's faces. But that's not me. So good luck with that. We've been married 39 years. She's tried to stop me from being that way for 39 years. Has not worked. But we've come to an agreement. I I, I try to pull it back from time to time, depending on the company we're in. Anyway, he goes on to say, I'm a member of IBEW outside line construction, which has always been heavy on the Democrat side. Since Trump, it's about 50-50, with a certain 50% being the loudest and most often incorrect. IBEW, which is a union, by the way, if you don't know. I think I was an IBEW at one time. And Donald have a long and detailed history together filled with lawsuits and lack of paying bills. Yeah, we know about that. It blows my mind that any union member could support the Republican Party. I then explained the right stance on unions and their right-to-work agenda, yet that certain crowd doesn't get it. It actually becomes pretty scary with half of the union not supporting reality and facts. I become extremely concerned about the state of our country in general to the point I'm considering trying to use the international aspect of my union. I thought maybe you would have a reasonable and rational way to approach this crowd. (laughs) Good one. I might be willing to discuss this aspect on a show. Well... You're welcome, Aaron. Anytime you want to be on the show, just send me a fucking email and we'll put you on the show. I would suggest you probably know more about this stuff than I do. Now, for the only complaint I have with this show. See, I told you it was coming. (laughs) I've tried to work through it, but after listening to Tuesday's show, I will address said issue. I suffer from misophonia, which is a... Uh, not being able to handle listening to people eat or drink. I've always wished you had a mute button you could use during your many drinks of water through your show. You're a radio guy and can probably figure out a way. Love the show and thank you for all you do. Hmm. As, you know, as I've told you, 
I've had a cold recently, and it's important to uh, um, it's important to keep my throat wet because when it gets dry, I cough. Now, what I could do, you know, I, I, there is a switch here I could turn off. I just, you know, the whole radio thing, I'm, 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 I'm not into replicating radio here. This isn't a radio show. This is a podcast. And for my money, a podcast is better. I get what you're saying. And I'm sorry if you suffer with misophonia. I'm not sure what that is. Um, I'm a little surprised that drink, I don't eat when I'm doing the show. That always pissed me off about TikTokers. You know, you turn on TikTokers and, and, and they're eating a sandwich or something. And I think to myself, you, you couldn't have finished that before you did the TikTok or waited till after you did the TikTok? What is this, some affectation that you're doing to try to give the impression that you're being casual? I don't understand that. And there's, you know what I have a real problem with, too, with when I'm watching TikToks? When I see a guy of my vintage, you know, like in his 50s or 60s, and for whatever reason, they have this compulsion to do their TikToks sans a shirt. <laughs> what the fuck are you thinking of? <laughs> Aaron, I'll try to do what I can about not drinking into the microphone. I will try. But I promise you it will happen, and I apologize if it bugs you. Uh, but what can I do? You know what I could do? Um, I could not take a drink, and then when my throat gets dry, I could cough, and then I could go back afterwards and edit it out. And then while I'm coughing, I could take a drink. I could do that. I could do that. Don't know that I will. <laughs> But uh, I get it, man. I get it, and uh, I'll try to I'll try to step away from the mic when I'm drinking. But I guarantee you, you're not going to find me eating on the show. That's a no-no when it comes to broadcasting. All right, thanks, thanks, Aaron, and I appreciate the positivity um, about the show, <laughs> in spite of the thing that bugs you. Um, in terms of unions and people in unions supporting Donald Trump, this is this is something that's very confusing. It's been very confusing from day one. And it's not just people in unions. It's, it's people in the South, people that don't have a lot of money that feel like they want to support Donald Trump. I don't get it because everything Donald Trump and the Republicans do work against those people. They're voting against their best interest. And it can only be stupidity. There's one other aspect of it, too, that I, I think comes into play. And I was saying this, too. I think I was that talking to that Tony Michaels. And I said, people who feel like they are downtrodden or beat up on or taken advantage of by the government or don't feel like they have a voice or a platform to speak, <clears throat> they will sometimes jump on board with somebody who talks loud and talks often and won't stop talking, and they are perceived as a tough guy. And because they're a tough guy, they'll look at them as their champion. And because they look at them as their champion, they will sometimes overlook certain things that they might do, which, again, is counterproductive, but that's what they do. Uh, I don't know how you fix that. This is a, 
I don't know if it's a neurosis or what the fuck it is, but people do that. They don't just do that in, um, in politics either. I think I've told this story before. In the town I lived in, before I live where I live now, <clears throat> it was a, 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 a suburb, essentially. It wasn't originally a suburb. It was a small town, but then it became a suburb. And there was a man that lived in this town. He was very wealthy, probably the wealthiest guy in town. Um, and he was an asshole. He was a racist. He was a sexist. He was misogynistic. And he was anti-Semitic. There is no question about it. Now, I haven't seen him for years, but I guarantee you this motherfucker was a Trump humper or is a Trump humper. He's just that type. Arrogant, narcissistic, sociopathic, pathological liar, all that shit. That's who he was. Now, whenever he wasn't around, people would always squawk about him. Oh, he's a dick. He's an asshole. But whenever he was around, they followed him around as if they were sheep and he was little Bo Peep. They sucked up to him. They they paid homage to him. And I never understood that. I didn't do that. Frankly, in my lifetime, I knew people far richer than he ever was, and I wasn't going to bend over backwards for them, and certainly not him. Fortunately with me, whenever he dealt with me, the one time he dealt with me, he needed a favor. I said, fine, I'll do the favor. And then we didn't talk much ever again, but he at least respected me enough to not pull the shit that he normally pulls. He does it to everybody else. But I think he realized that I'm not going to listen to his shit, and I'm not somebody who's going to be pushed around. But I think it's something in people's minds. They look to somebody they perceive as strong, and they get behind them because they don't feel like they can fight for themselves, which is probably wrong, but that's what they do. All right. We had an interesting story uh, going on, probably the biggest story of the day. The Biden administration on Tuesday urged the Supreme Court to steer clear of a legal fight over classified documents seized during the FBI search of former President Donald Trump's Florida state. We know, of course, Donald Trump appealed to the Supreme Court. He's assuming that he placed some people on the Supreme Court and they will side with him. Unfortunately, what Donald Trump is asking in this appeal regarding the top secret documents is absolutely ridiculous. And if the Supreme Court even hears this case, they are going to get some heat. The high court is weighing an emergency appeal from Trump, asking it to overturn a lower court ruling and permit an independent arbiter or or special master to review the roughly 100 documents with classified markings that were taken in the August 8th search of Mar-a-Lago. Here's the thing. It's a special master. It's It's the person that Donald Trump's people fucking handpicked. He himself says, you know what? You're right. I don't have to look at it. Then the judge that's in the pocket of Donald Trump, Aileen Cannon, said, nope, nope, you got to. Then it went to the 11th Circuit, and they said, nope, the special master's right. They don't have to look at it. And then, of course, he appealed it to the Supreme Court, thinking it's going to be overturned. Tell you right now, it's not going to be overturned. It's just not going to be overturned. Hopefully they will answer this quickly and we can get down to business. 
The Justice Department said in a 32-page filing that Trump's claim has no merit, noting the case involves extraordinarily sensitive government records. A three-judge panel from Atlanta-based U.S. Court of Appeals in the 11th Circuit last month limited the special master's review to much larger tranche of non-classified documents. Now, the judges, including two Trump appointees, sided with the Justice Department, which had argued there was no legal basis for the special master to conduct his own review of classified records because those classified records under no no situation could they be considered owned by Donald Trump. And if they're not owned by Donald Trump, then he has no right to have a special master look into it. But Trump's lawyers said in their application to the Supreme Court that it was essential for the special master to have access to the classified records to determine whether documents bearing classification markings are in fact classified, and regardless of classification, whether those records are personal records or presidential records. Here's the problem. If they are classified, they are not his. If they are declassified, they have to state which are declassified and how they were declassified. Now, they're unwilling to do that because if they do that in court, then they're going to be charged with perjury. It's just not right. Now, in terms of records that are personal records and the Presidential Records Act, doesn't matter if they're personal records. Kim Jong-un's love letters to Donald Trump, he may consider them personal, but in the Presidential Records Act, it is part and owned by the government. Everything that was done in the White House, that was done in the Oval Office, that was tied to the president. That law is very specific. It was enacted in 1978 because of what uh, Richard Nixon did, and it doesn't matter. If he wrote a fucking uh, grocery list in the Oval Office. That still needs to go to the National Archives. It doesn't fucking matter. So what Donald Trump and his lawyers are asking is a lot of bullshit. And if the Supreme Court gives him any sway in this, that is going to cause an upheaval. Now, here's something interesting to think about. I don't know that it's true, but I wouldn't be surprised. The DOJ and the Biden administration is saying, we don't want you even entering in on this because it's not your business to do this sort of thing. My question is, is that code? And here's what I mean by code. I think Ed told us a story back when FDR was in office. And the Supreme Court was going to try to flip something with regards to his uh, New Deal thing. And FDR just went out and said, look, if you do that, here's what we're go ahead, do that. Then you know what we're going to do? We're going to add Supreme Court justices. We're going to pack the court. And you know what the court did? They said, oh, okay, cool. We'll just give you what you want. And I have to wonder if the Biden administration and the DOJ isn't trying to infer that to them. Fuck around and find out. Now, I'm assuming if... If, if the Democrats get the power after the midterms, they're going to do that anyway. But I'm sure the Supreme Court understands what they're trying to say. They're trying to say is, this is ridiculous, 
And if you dick around, things are going to fucking change. So I don't know that that's true. But if I was president, if I was in Congress or in the DOJ, I might want to inkle that because that's what will happen. Anyhow, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Just going back to the last story prior to the break, I just want to say the idea that uh, maybe the DOJ and the Biden administration is kind of low-key threatening the uh, Supreme Court. Again, I don't know that that's true. But we are seeing Joe Biden getting a little tougher out there. We're seeing the members of Congress, Democrats anyway, getting a little tougher and getting in people's faces. We're seeing candidates for the U.S. Senate and for Congress and such. They're getting a little more aggressive, too. And this is something that the Democrats have needed to do for a long time. They're more likely to fight by the rules of the Marcus of Queensbury, be up and up. You know, like Michelle Obama says, when they go low, we go high. Well, they are so fucking low right now, you've got to go and get in the mud with them. I like what I'm seeing about the Democrats, about them being more tough. This is what it's going to take to beat these people, take them out of the equation. So whether that's really happening with the DOJ and the the Biden administration or not, I'll just say this. I hope it is. I hope they have enough wherewithal and enough foresight to say, you motherfuckers have been fucking with us for six years. This shit's going to stop or it's going to cost you. All right, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy yelled, yelled. Maybe he screeched at a fellow House Republican last year and brought her to tears after she publicly confirmed details of a call he made to Donald Trump on January 6th, 2021, two reporters claim in a new book. Now, I am alone taking all the heat to protect people from Trump. Alone am holding the party together, he yelled at Representative Jamie Herrera Butler of Washington during a meeting in his office on February 25th, 2021. That's according to the Washington Post, which obtained an advanced copy of the book. I've been working with Trump to keep him from going after Republicans like you and blowing up the party and destroying all our work. All your work? For six years, ten years, you haven't done jack shit but tried to obstruct the Democrats. Herrera Butler had given the media details about McCarthy's call to Trump on January 6, 2021. She said McCarthy had told his colleagues that when he asked Trump to call off his supporters as they attacked the Capitol, Trump replied, Well, Kevin, I guess these people are more upset about the election than you are. And Kevin, <laughs> Kevin didn't like the fact that this uh, representative... Let the cat out of the bag, you know? Narked on him, if you will. McCarthy said, you should have come to me. Why did you go to the press? This is no way to thank me. What are we thanking you for, you dumb fuck? 
Kevin McCarthy suggests he's protecting everybody in this situation with Donald Trump. He hasn't done jack shit. He hasn't protected anybody. And you know what? Now he can't protect anybody. So, tough guy, why don't you sit down and shut up and watch how this fucking plays out? Herrera Butler reportedly answered, What did you want me to do? Lie? I did what I thought was right. (laughs) Now, that is a rarity. A Republican doing what she thought was right. What are the odds of that happening? She she deserves a round of applause because we don't see that out of Republicans all too often. The book's author, Washington Post reporter Karun Demergian and politi- political reporter Rachel Bade said McCarthy's tirade was just the start of what would become a GOP-wide campaign to whitewash the details of what happened on January 6th in the aftermath of the second impeachment. The Post says Dermergian and Bade said their reporting about the conversation between McCarthy and Herrera Butler was based on a primary source and multiple lawmakers who heard the account from McCarthy, people who were there. However, both McCarthy and Herrera Butler denied the retails reported about their meeting when the book's authors reached out to them. (laughs) Now, Herrera Butler says... What should I do, lie? I'm just trying to do with what's right. Well, apparently McCarthy taught Herrera Butler a lesson because now she's fucking denying it. She is lying. There we go. There's the Republicans we know. The book also contains explosive details about Trump and McCarthy's call during the riot. According to Politico, McCarthy shouted at then-president that Trump supporters were trying to fucking kill me. This is what Kevin McCarthy said. Kevin was shitting his pants, as well he should have been. Everybody in the Capitol was shitting their pants because you've got this horde of fucking idiots trying to get in to the... uh, the Capitol, they want to kill Mike Pence, and they want to kill Nancy Pelosi. And somebody brought something up recently that I find interesting. Who is in the, in the line of uh, succession when it comes to the presidential office? Well, if something happens to the president, then it's Pence. And if something happens to the president and the vice president, then it goes to the Speaker of the House, who happened to be Nancy Pelosi. He was trying to get people out of the way so that he could come back and do what he wanted and set this government up the way he fucking wanted to do it. Now, McCarthy has repeatedly and demonstrably lied about what went on behind the scenes after the Capitol riot. In the immediate aftermath, he said both private and publicly that Trump bore responsibility for the attack and was recorded telling colleagues he had told Trump to resign. But as the weeks passed and McCarthy sought to salvage his relationship with the former president, he pivoted to downplaying the violence and mischaracterization uh, of his initial response. And if you remember, he went down to Mar-a-Lago for a nice little visit with Donnie Trump to kiss some ass and mend some fences. Herrera Butler is a six-term moderate Republican who voted in favor of Trump's second impeachment. Oh, so she's got problems uh, anyway. 
She lost her primary election in August, so she's going to be out of there. Uh, She got trumped, if you will, in the primaries. Unchecked, the untold story behind Congress's botched impeachments of Donald Trump will be released next week. You know, it's going to be interesting. As much as Kevin McCarthy does not want to talk or admit to the things he's done, there's going to come a point when the Department of Justice are going to call on him to testify in front of the grand jury. And guess what? He doesn't get to say no. Secondly, he doesn't get to lie. Otherwise, he's going to do jail time for perjury. That time is coming for Kevin McCarthy. Trust me on this. He is going to have to testify. He is one of the linchpins in this January 6th insurrection, whether he says so or not. He had direct contact with Donald Trump on that day, and you know it's going to come up. And you know that Kevin McCarthy is going to have to be questioned. I would love to see that so that he can come out afterwards and say, I didn't really say that. Kevin McCarthy is weak. Even if the Republicans win the House, I think the odds of Kevin McCarthy actually becoming the Speaker of the House are slim. I think people in the Republican Party have had it with him. They see him as weak. They see him as doing nothing. And they see him as a liability. He will not be the Speaker of the House if the Republicans win. But, of course, as I've said before, the Republicans ain't going to fucking win. Secret Service agents have now asked for a record of all the communications seized from their personal phones in the January 6th investigation, but were reportedly turned down. They said, yeah, now nah, we're not going to do that. Now, this is an interesting development. We know that a lot of texts were lost because they were allegedly switching over to another platform or another system. Whoops, it just happened. Those particular days got lost. What what are the odds? But what we didn't know is that they got their personal phones too. Now those weren't switched over to uh, another system. So those texts won't be purged. Now we don't know what's on the personal phones, but the fact they're asking, uh, what kind of records were you getting? You know they're worried about it. The agents requested the records in early August through the Freedom of Information program, but the Secret Service office that handles those petitions denied them, underscoring a tension between rank-and-file agents and the agency's leadership. This letter is the final response to your Privacy Act inquiry submitted on August 4, 2022. For information pertaining to, uh, pertaining to the release of personal cell phone information and or other personal identifiable information by the U.S. Secret Service, the office said in a letter dated October 5th, the agency has determined that regulation does not require a records disclosure accounting to be made in connection with your request. Now, you see what they want to do. They want to know what they have so they can come up with excuses or defenses to what they found. Make no mistake, though, they are worried about what they found on their personal phones, and they are currently upset. They thought they might at least have a chance to look at what they got, but they aren't getting that chance, so they are now fucked. They may have accidentally lost a bunch of texts from their Secret Service phones, But now they've got their personal phones, and that spells 
trouble. Congress and the Department of Homeland Security's Inspector General became interested in obtaining those communications after they learned they had been erased as part of the Secret Service called a planned upgrade. So you see what happened here. They wanted the Secret Service phones. They uh, said no at first, and then they said okay. And then just before they handed them over, they said, whoops, we lost some text around the 5th and the 6th. What are the odds? So the Department of Justice uh, and Secret Service said, okay, motherfuckers, you want to play that game? Then we're getting your personal shit, too. And that's what they've got. They've got their personal shit, and they've got problems. And the thing is, you got to wonder how serious this is. I mean, the Secret Service is still working, and obviously it's been perverted or tainted during the Trump administration. They were there serving as uh, Donald Trump's private guard. Now, Secret Service is supposed to protect the president, but they aren't supposed to work in concert and help the president break the law, and clearly that is what some of them have done. I know not one bad apple spoils the whole bunch, but several bad apples fucks things up, and you don't buy that fucking basket of apples. So it's going to be interesting to see what they find out. We will ultimately find out what was in those personal phones, and I got to tell you, the news can't be good for those Secret Service agents. A lawyer for former President Donald Trump She signed a letter stating that a diligent search for classified records had been conducted and that all such documents had been given back to the government. She is now speaking with the FBI, according to a person familiar with the matter. Now, Christina Bob told federal investigators during Friday's interview that she had not drafted the letter, but that another Trump lawyer who said actually prepared it had asked her to sign it in her role as a designated custodian of Trump's records, said the person who insisted on anonymity to discuss an ongoing investigation. Now, the process is of interest to investigators because the Justice Department says the uh, letter was untrue in asserting that all classified records sought by the government had been located and returned. Though the letter and 38 documents bearing classification markings were presented to FBI and Justice Department officials during the June 3rd visit, um, when they returned to Florida, Mar-a-Lago in in the Florida estate, with a search warrant on August 8th and seized about 100 additional classified records. So that document was untrue. It was a lie, and that was an affidavit that was sign under oath, theoretically, or if not actually. So you see where the problem is. These lawyers gave an affidavit to the FBI and said, nope, you got them all, and they lied. And fact is, they are still lying, because apparently Donald Trump still has some documents. Now, according to an August court filing, the signed certification letter was presented to investigators who visited Mar-a-Lago on June 3rd to collect additional classified materials from the home. 
The Justice Department had weeks earlier issued a subpoena for the records after it says it developed evidence that more classified documents remained at the estate beyond those 15 boxes they initially got that went to the National Archives. The letter produced for investigators asserted that in response to the subpoena, they didn't respond to the subpoena until they had to or they were forced to, a diligent search was conducted of the boxes that were moved from the White House to Florida and that any and all responsive documents accompany this certification. The letter also included the caveat that the statement in it were true based upon the information that was provided to me. And therein lies the catch. I say it's true because I was told it was true. Now, that's not how lawyers should go about things, and that is definitely a misstep, if not a crime. Now, at the time, the FBI was presented with an envelope containing 38 documents with classification markings, including at the top secret level, but agents began to suspect that they had not received the entire stash of records and returned two months later with a warrant, which, of course, we know they found more classified documents. Now, we're hearing that Christina Bob is not going to be um, charged with anything, which is kind of weird because she's the one that signed it. What's even more weird is one lawyer writes it, he tells her to sign it, and she does, even though she doesn't know for sure if all the documents have been provided. The interesting part of this is she's now talking to the FBI and they're saying she probably won't be charged. So what does that mean? (laughs) Well, fucking means that she's throwing Donnie under the bus. She's given them all the information. And the guy who wrote the document is still holding strong, Corcoran, and he's going to be in the shit as well. Bob told the FBI that the letter was actually drafted and prepared by another Trump lawyer, M. Evan Corcoran, and that he had asked her to sign it in her capacity as a custodian of the records. Now, Corcoran did not immediately return an email and phone messages on Tuesday. Spokespeople for the FBI and Justice Department declined to comment, and Bob did not immediately return a phone message seeking comment. The interview was first reported by NBC News. The person familiar with it said it was a voluntary discussion with investigators and did not take place before a grand jury and that she is not regarded as a target of this investigation. Well, the only reason she's not a target because she should be a target is because she's giving them something more valuable. The Justice Department has said that beyond investigating investigating possible crimes in the retention of the documents themselves, it is also investigating whether anyone sought to obstruct its probe. It is not clear if anyone will be charged. We don't know yet. But here's what you need to know about obstruction of justice. That's a maximum 20-year jail fucking term. So nobody wants to be convicted of something like that, especially the attorney, Christina Bob. She's going to pawn it off on somebody else, as well she should. I'm sure Donald Trump said, yeah, it's all cool. Just sign it. Well, how do I know it's all true? Just sign that motherfucker. And she did because everybody's obedient. Everybody that works for Donald Trump is obedient to Donald Trump in spite of the fact they know he's a pathological liar.
Now, here's a story I'm not too surprised about. Former Hawaii Rep Tulsi Gabbard announced she is leaving the Democratic Party, denouncing it as an elitist cabal of warmongers, (laughs) while calling upon the common-sense, independent-minded Democrats to exit with her. Tulsi, here's the fucking deal. Nobody likes you. I don't even think the Republicans like you. You're going to be out on an island yourself. But you should be used to that because you're from fucking from Hawaii. Here's what we imagine about Tulsi Gabbard, that she is nothing more than a Russian asset, which makes her a perfect candidate to be a Republican because they love Putin and they love the Russians. She goes on to say, I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that is now under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers driven by cowardly wokeness who divide us by racializing every issue and stoke anti-white racism, actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms, are, are hostile to people of faith, and spiritually they demonize the police and protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans believe in open borders, weaponize the national security state to go after political opponents, and above all, dragging us ever closer to nuclear war, Gabbard said on Twitter. (laughs) Well, you heard what I just said and what she just said. Does that sound like any kind of Democrat to you? She never was a fucking Democrat. She was a spy, if anything else, for the Republicans. Everything she said is a Republican talking point, and that's who she fucking is. I don't know that she'll be welcome into the Republican Party, though. She might. I mean, I think Hillary Clinton is the one that said she's a Russian asset. And the way she acts, the way she talks, that would not at all be surprising. She probably is a Russian accent. Here's a woman from Hawaii, kind of an attractive woman. They figure, you know what, get her talking, our talking points, and she'll get some people to follow her. And I think she did, just based on what she looked like. That's a sad state of affairs in this country. There are people on both sides of the aisle that don't vote for substance or facts or policy. They just vote for people because they think, Well, I like them. They look nice. (laughs) And now she wants to drag some Democrats with her. Well, good luck with that. That's not going to happen. She went on to say, if you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country, I invite you to join me, she said. And I always find this funny. If you've got a Democrat who doesn't like Democrats and decide instead they're going to vote Republican. Let me see if I understand this. You may not like inflation or high gas prices or something Joe Biden said or did or whatever. So you're not going to vote for him. Okay, in a normal world, that's fine. You can make different choices. But instead, now you're going to go and in lockstep with people who are white supremacists, misogynists, anti-Semites, pedophiles, and all these sorts of things. You don't like what's going on in the Democratic Party, but somehow you think the Republicans are just beautiful. That is some sick fucking ideas. Gabbard paired her announcement with the launch of a podcast series. Oh, great. It's on YouTube. It's called The Tulsi Gabbard Show. 
That must have took months to come up with that name. The first upload is a 28-minute episode titled, Why I'm Leaving the Democratic Party, where she details her entrance into Democratic Party as a young person, inspired by Democrats who stood up against the war in Vietnam and those who stood up for plantation workers in Hawaii. How did those Republicans do with the Vietnam War and with with, uh, plantation workers? Did Did they help them too? Chief among the reasons her 20-year stint as a member of the Democratic Party will be cut short, she said, is her fear that President Biden and Democratic Party elites have pushed us to the precipice of nuclear war, risking starting a World War III and destroying the world as we know it. Well, that's interesting, Tulsi. It wasn't Joe Biden that had secret meetings with uh, Vladimir Putin. It isn't Joe Biden that bent over backwards or frontwards, for that matter, for Vladimir Putin. That was your guy, Donald Trump. The reason we're in this situation in Ukraine right now is because Donald Trump allowed Vladimir Putin to do anything. He wasn't tough on Russia like he said he was. He didn't go after Vladimir Putin. He did whatever Vladimir Putin said. Now, here's the thing. Gabbard said that her entrance in the 2020 presidential cycle was also because of imminent nuclear holocaust. Well, you're a day brightener, aren't you, Tulsi? I ran for president in 2020 because I knew that this is where we are headed. All the signs were there. I raised the issues every single day during the campaign and on the national debate stage for those of you who may have come to a town hall or who were watching, I'm sure you noticed, but the politicians and media completely ignored it. I got to be honest with you, prior to Donald Trump, nuclear war wasn't talked about that much. It wasn't until Donald Trump became a lapdog to Vladimir Putin. It wasn't until he was a lapdog to Vladimir Putin that he decided to go into the Ukraine. I have a feeling that whatever Donald Trump did for him was part of the reason why Vladimir Putin felt comfortable in going into the Ukraine. Now, in her announcement and throughout the episode, Gabbard touted a number of traditionally conservative talking points, repeating right-wing rhetoric like wokeness and elites, and hearkening back to phrasing top GOP leaders have regularly circulated. So she's trying to tell us she was a Democrat, but all she spouts is Republican rhetoric. She accused Democrats of turning American democracy into a banana republic. Oh, that was the Democrats, huh? A term widely imparted by Republican leaders, especially to characterize the FBI's search of former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence. Now, the raid of Mar-a-Lago is another escalation in the weaponizing of federal agencies against regimes, political opponent, the regime's political opponents, while people like Hunter Biden get treated with kid gloves. Now, the regime is getting another 87,000 IRS agents to wield against its adversaries. Banana Republic, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis wrote after the raid. 
Gabbard has long been a Fox News contributor. In August, she guest-hosted Tucker Carlson tonight following the FBI's raid of Mar-a-Lago. Now, whatever your views are on Donald Trump, there's no denying that the unprecedented raid on his Palm Beach home earlier this week has set our country on a dangerous new course, and there's no turning back, she said. So my question to Tulsi is this. If you have a former president that's uh, stealing top-secret documents, using them as leverage, trying to cut a deal with the National Archives completely illegally, and then providing these documents to our adversarial countries and our enemy countries, and that's not, in your mind, the level of a point where we have to search somebody's residence. I mean, somebody who already lied to the FBI knew he lied to the FBI. If that isn't the point where we have to search a property, what is that level, Tulsi? I mean, what's it fucking take? You seem to want to talk shit about the FBI and you want to talk shit about the Democrats, but everything you say about the Democrats is simply a projection of those very things that the Republicans are fucking doing. You called yourself a Democrat? You aren't even fucking close to a Democrat. You're not even a Republican. You're one of the crazy fucking Republicans. So you want to leave the Democratic Party? Good fucking riddance. You were uh, 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 a stain on the Democratic Party. You weren't for the American public. You weren't for what was right or what's true. You bought into the fucking cult. So yeah, get the fuck out of here. We don't need you around here anymore. I don't know that Tulsi's ever going to be up for election again. I don't think she could win fucking dog catcher in her home state of Hawaii. But, of course, she's got the look, and she'll be on TV, probably on Fox News or OAN. She'll write a book, and she'll presume that it will sell all kinds of copies. But it won't. I mean, we've seen other people like her try to put out copies of books and nobody buys the fuckers. There's maybe 30% of the country that buy into the things she's saying. And two things. First of all, they don't fucking read. They can't read. They're illiterate. Secondly, they don't have the money. That's what we were talking about before. These people that are poor and broke living in the deep south someplace that are supporting Donald Trump, I guarantee you they're not going to spend money on your fucking book. It's not going to happen. If someone gave me the book for free, I wouldn't listen to it because it's tantamount to listening to Fox News, and I don't listen to Fox News. It pisses me off too much. I don't even care what they say because I know that every com- everything that comes out of their mouth and everything that comes out of Tulsi Gabbard's mouth is a lie, is bullshit, and is intended to damage this country. I think if nothing else, these people should be shut up and put back under their fucking rocks. That's what should happen. So anyway, I'm sure you'll all be crying about Tulsi Gabbard backing onto the Democratic Party even though she talks like a rabid Republican. But she's gone. Good fucking riddance. She's not in off. She's, she, she, she's going to be gone into the history books as one of the many criminals 
of this era. All right, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen, taking time out of your day. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.